Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello. Welcome back to another great episode of Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I am your hostess with the mostest, or your host for the afternoon, evening, whatever you're listening to. Now let's listen to that band. Ah, yeah. (laughs) I love them. Oh, I can't help but tap my toes and dance along every time I hear it. Every time I hear it. I tell you, they get better every week. They really do. This week, our band is Spandex Leggings. Well, you know, what else could I go with with a title like, Why Is It So Sexual? (laughs) Which is our main topic today. Why is it so sexual? And what I mean by that is basically being transgender or transgender people in general. Just the topic of transgender is so sexual. We also have another one of our 20 jokes, so terrible, they're actually funny. This week we're on number two, and yes, we do have a secondary topic. I'll say this again, but right now, be sure to send in your name suggestions for that segment of the secondary topic. I want to change the name and make it a little more something that we can all grasp onto instead of just, oh, secondary topic. So send them to me, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com by May 31st. That's the end of this month, like two weeks away. Send it to me, and sometime in June, I will announce what we're going with. And, of course, we're going to have listener feedback because that's what I do around here. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first episode, welcome aboard this crazy train ride of a stream of consciousness podcast that I call Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. Thanks for joining us. So glad that you made this one your first one. Welcome back, uh, returning listeners, binge listeners, sporadic listeners. If you've heard even just one episode before, and it was a year ago. And now you're coming back because, you know, the topic, you know, brought your interest up or, you know, you went, oh, yeah, I forgot about that podcast. Let's check back in again. Whatever reason you're returning, thank you for being here. Now, before we get into the main topic of this episode, let's briefly talk about last episode, number 85, titled Pronouns and Misgendering Revisited. It was a revisit to episode 24 from last year because, you know, I figured why not? It's a good topic to come back on and reflect on. And I realized after I turned off the mic, after I shut down my computer, and actually the next day when I started editing the episode, I totally forgot that I left out... A couple stories, a couple things that happened to me regarding pronouns. And the first one was I was out in girl mode and I was, for all intent and purposes, I was hit on by the guy at the gas station convenience store that's not too far from my home. Now, (laughs) he didn't recognize me, which is, I don't know, it's, it's a compliment and it's not a compliment because... Well, I I go there pretty frequently. You know, it's the local closest gas station convenience store. So when you're in need of something like that, that's the first one we go to around here because it is the closest. Anyway, this person has seen me 
in boy mode and girl mode multiple times over the last, I don't know, year and a couple years. And he did not recognize me in girl mode and was hitting on me. It's just small conversation. Oh, so what you doing tonight? Oh, I got this going on. Visit a friend or whatever I was going to be doing that night. And, you know, I think I picked up a cup of coffee and probably some snack or something. And, of course, some gas. And he was just, so what's going on? How are you? Da, 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 da. That small talk to elicit more of a conversation, which I didn't feed into. But it was it was just a little weird. I mean, driving away in the, well, let me say, in the moment, it was a little weird. After that, after the moment passed and I was in my car and I all was said and done and I was on my way back on the road, I was like, wow, he didn't recognize me. And then I was starting to think, when was the last time I was there when he was working? And it was probably within the last five days or so. And, and then I was like, wow, he didn't recognize me. I'm going to take that as a compliment. And so that was that situation. The second thing I totally forgot to talk about was uh, I have a very close friend. I don't believe they listen to this particular podcast. In fact, I don't think they listen to any podcast, to be quite honest. I mean, they might. I could be wrong. But, you know, they, I, I just don't think so. Because let's face it, folks, podcasts are not everybody's cup of tea. Some people love them and eat them up and can't get enough. And I'm sure I got listeners out there like that, so thank you. But And then some of them, eh, it's just not for me. I'd rather listen to the radio. I'd rather listen to my own music. I'm not into talk radio or, you know, whatever the reason is. And he strikes me as one of those people. Anyway, through text messaging, he messaged me and call, called me Charlena. Uh, you know, a made-up feminine name from my from my name. And I... I know it's something that I should immediately be upset about, and I'm bothered by. I'm not necessarily upset about, but I'm bothered by it because why do some people think that, oh, just because, you know, you're trans or you're gender queer or you're gender fluid or whatever it is, why do some people feel the need to make up their own feminine name or let's flip the coin over and, you know, let's talk about, you know, female to male trans men, you know. Make up a name for them, you know, whatever. I mean, you can make up any name based off of your actual name. And it just struck me as why do people think they need to or want to, or even if they're just doing it out of jest, you know, they're trying to make a joke. Why do people feel the need to do that? And yes, I could have responded with a feminine version of his name, but I chose not to because... I, well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put fuel on that particular fire. You, you, you know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't something that was so upsetting and so degrading that it really got to me. But it was something that just stuck out and stood out and made me go, oh, "Why do people do that?" So there's there's two more examples of being misgendered. I mean, the first one, the guy was hitting on me. He misgendered me in his own mind because he totally forgot who I was coming in, both in boy mode and girl mode. And then my friend who chose to make up their own name for me. So it happens. I totally forgot those two examples, but there are two more examples. Also, during the secondary topic, I mentioned lupus. Remember, the entire month of May is Lupus Awareness Month. So go to lupus.org and share some links, share some information, get the knowledge out there. And on May 20th, which is just coming up, wear purple to show your support.
You can find that episode and all past episodes at Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. We're also on Stitcher and iTunes, of course, facebook.com slash Changes in Latitudes podcast. Join in the fun over on Facebook. Send me an email, Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at CIL podcast. And while you're out there cruising the internet, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Changes in Latitudes podcast. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Tom Slayton from TomSlayton.com. I mention it every episode. Go check out TomSlayton.com. The best way I can say it and surmise it in one sentence, it's the easiest rest up on the internet to free your mind, clear your mind, and move on to the rest of your day. All right, I think that's enough of housekeeping. Let's get into the main topic. Main topic, here we are. Main topic, yeah. Why is it so sexual? Why is it so sexual? Why is it so sexual? Uh, this, and, and as I said before, this is, you know, speaking of, of transgender in general, people and the movement and the concept and the unknown, all of it, just all of it looped in together as in general. This is mainly made for the for the non-transgender person <laughs> is what this topic's about. But of course I got to talk about it here. Cause it's like, it's like the white elephant in the middle of the living room, you know, it's there, but you don't talk about it or the rhinoceros in the living room. There's so many, you know, things like along those lines, but it's just one of those things. Now this is a hot topic, not like the store, but it's a hot topic in that most people, most non-trans people automatically categorize it into a sexual deviant sort of realm. And and we all know that it's not like that. We all know that that's not it. Now, there is a part of the transgender umbrella, under the transgender umbrella, there is a part that kind of falls into that. That is the... Uh the, the fetish realm of it all, where, where whether it's uh, straight or gay men choose to, or and women, <laughs> choose to essentially cross-dress during s- sexual encounters, whether it's with uh, the same gender or not. You know, it doesn't matter if they're straight or homosexual. And that's more along the lines of fetish. You know, they, they're doing it for a sexual arousal or sexual enjoyment and things. And, and yeah, I know the argument's there. It shouldn't be looped into transgender. But uh, transgender is an umbrella term. It covers everyone under the spectrum. If you bend or blend the gender binary, ta-da, you're transgender. So, yeah. Those people or just simple cross-dressers who enjoy doing it at home or on the weekend or maybe going out once a, once a month or whatever it may be, you know, girls' night out sort of thing, they may not consider themselves transgender. You, the listener out there, may not consider them transgender, but by the broadness of the term, they are. Now, realize that I have a disclaimer at the end of this program, every single program. If you've skipped it the last few episodes... Basically, what it says is, you know, the everything I say is my own point of view, my own observations, my take on life. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a mental health professional. I don't work anywhere in those fields at all, never have, and don't really want to. These are only my views and observations. And I'm bringing this up for this specific topic because 
Well, it's kind of a touchy subject, as I just proved. Some people will categorize the, you know, the fetish crossdresser, male or female, as transgender, and some people won't. Some people will just say it's a fetish. Some people will say it's, you know, a sexual deviation. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, which is what this whole disclaimer says at the end. Now, the reasons that I believe that the transgender community or let's just say transgender population is deeply connected to being so quote unquote sexual are, I mean, besides what I just said about the, you know, the, the, the fetish sexual crossdresser, the person who uses it to, because they're aroused by it. Besides that, being trans is directly related to the secondary sex characteristics so you almost can't help but be sexual. The secondary sex characteristics are all about being sexual. On women, breasts start growing. On men, more body hair, more muscle definition. I mean, and then on women, more curves and softer skin. On everybody, pimples. I mean, it's just part of the process there. It's a sexual thing. Hormones are raging through the, you know, preteen, early teenage body. And, you know, everybody is trying to keep it in their pants. Doesn't matter about gender at that point. Everybody's trying to keep it in their pants. So because being transgender... You change what has occurred during your secondary sex puberty, the second part of puberty, the secondary sex characteristics. You're changing that. You're rewiring the body to be what you want it to be, what you need it to be, to to be your true self. So because it deals with that, it's sexual. Also, trans people... When they, right before coming out or, you know, in the process of coming out, they're questioning or dealing with or unhappy with their gender. And gender, just by nature, (laughs) is also sex. You know, on on a form, if it says gender, you know, you're obviously most people are meaning the binary, male or female. Eventually, I'm sure it's going to have more options than just those two. But... That also could be considered sex. If you see the word sex on a form, you don't answer yes or no. You answer male or female, and eventually there'll be something else, an X or a TS or just a T or a Q or whatever it's going to be. So again, you can't help but be sexual about it. Also, one of the biggest, major, major steps for most but not all trans people is... The surgery. I mean, it has so many names, you know, sex change surgery, sexual reassignment surgery, gender reassignment surgeries, gender confirmation surgery. I mean, I'm sure there's more that I just can't think of right now, and I'm sure you can, but you know what I mean. When the major surgery that everybody asks about, everybody questions, everybody looks up information about, whether they're planning on doing it or not, it's just part of the process of learning about transgender, you learn about that part of it. So again, it's dealing with sex. So again, you can't help but have it be a sexual topic. I mean, and I mean that in the sense of somebody first starting to understand, you know, they, let's take a person that has never heard of the word transgender. You know, they're just not aware of it. They're not, they're not big news watchers. They don't read the newspaper. They don't read the news. They don't watch the news. They don't, they're not up on topics. And then all of a sudden, 
they're made aware, whether it's uh, a friend tells them or a friend comes out to them or whatever. Well, when they start digesting that thought process, oh, so-and-so's transgender, first thing they're going to think about is that surgery. Therefore, it leads to being sexual. So we can't help but have it be a sexual topic. Uh, Also, when a trans person comes out to somebody, the people in our immediate social circles uh, they, they go, as I've said so many times before on the show, they go through their own transition and the biggest changes in that transition are how to interact with that trans person because they now need to change the name that they call the person. They now need to change the pronoun that they call this person. They now need to, you know, interact slightly differently, at least slightly differently with this person. And I do mean slightly differently in the simple case of if, if in the case of a lesbian couple, and the, one of them comes out as trans and starts transition, well, before transition, they had to be very aware of what they could and could not do in public places. Well, now that the trans man is in transition, they don't have to be so aware of what they're doing in public. And turn the coin over, the same is true for a, uh, a, a straight couple, you know, a man and a woman. And one of them comes out as trans, doesn't matter which, they're now going to, you know, become a a same-sex couple, whatever that same sex may be. If it's the woman becoming a man or the man becoming a woman, they're now are going to be either two men or two women, so they're now a same-sex couple. So now they need to be more aware of what they can and cannot do in public places. You know, kissing, holding hands, hugging to a degree, you know, those sorts of things. You know, you just have to be aware of it. So that's part of that transition. And most people who, you know, are friends or family of the trans person that's going through their transition, part of their transition is questioning their gender identity, depending if they're, you know, how feminine they are within the feminine scale, how masculine they are on the masculine scale. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's journey is different, but that's the similarity and the common thing between us. Another big change, another big transition thing is, well, let's just say if someone comes out as gay, outwardly, it's not going to be a huge change. You're still calling them the same name. You're still using the same pronoun. That, you know ingrained, hardwired thought process in our minds is not changing. They're just, you know, going to be hanging around with or dating or living with or, you know, bringing to events someone of the same gender. And that's, well, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that was something to, you know, get all kind of about. Now, who cares? You know, a couple guys together, a couple girls together. Who cares? In most places, there still are places where you can't really be that way, sadly. But in most places, who cares if there's two guys or two girls together? And that's just not coming out as gay or lesbian. That's coming out as bisexual or pansexual or or, or even polyamorous. Well, polyamorous is slightly different because now there's an extra person in your coupling, I'll just say, but or people or what have you. But you, you follow me there. You follow me there. What I'm saying is these are not outwardly visual changes, slight changes. You know, like I said, you know, a a guy's going to be hanging with a guy, a girl's going to be with a girl, all those different things. Whereas with being trans, 
they're, you know, you're changing how you look, you're changing how society interacts with you, how you interact with society, you're changing your name usually, you're changing your pronouns, and that's, that's, that's a, you're changing your hair, you're changing your clothing, these are all outwardly changes, so it's a lot harder for people to grasp. And again, since it does deal with gender, whether it's identity or presentation or expression or what have you, it's a gender thing. And so therefore people loop it into to being sexual. You can't help it. You almost can't help it until you learn more about it. Because when people first start searching for, you know, transgender information on the internet, well, maybe not so much at this time, you know, May 2016. But even just a year ago, or, or two years ago, or further back, anytime you started searching out gender identity, or transgender, or transsexual, or crossdresser, or transvestite, or gender bender, or anything like that, and yes, I'm not going to say them, but loop in those slang terms that not a lot of us like, those slang terms that are usually associated with the adult film industry, which leads me to the point of when you first start searching out those words and trying to find more information, those are the sites that come up. Those are the sites. You can't help it because it does deal with sexuality and sex in general. Uh, and, and for me and people in my generation and such, my first exposure, I mean, I had heard about transsexual people, you know, I had heard about people changing their gender and going through the process. I, I don't think I knew it was called transition, but the process of changing their gender by surgeries. I mean, I had heard about that, but the first time I ever, you know, really became aware of it was when... I, I, I don't know, I was in my mid to late teens, and I was flipping through some magazine, some adult magazine, whatever it was, I don't quite remember. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, Playboy or, or Penthouse or something like that. It was something that was a little more risque, at least risque at the time. And if, if you've ever looked at one of those magazines, in the back are all the ads. All the ads for the adult phone conversation lines, the websites. Well, back in the day, there wasn't websites. But, you know, all those ads are in the back. And I remember seeing tucked away in the corner, probably like an eighth size page ad, you know, an eighth of the page in the corner, was some derogatory term. You know, I don't need to say them. You know them. Some derogatory term, you know, call me now with some trans woman laying there top uh, nude, essentially, showing off her top, showing off her bottom. And I must specify this is a preoperative trans woman or non-operative, if that was her choice. I don't know because I don't know the person. And so that was my first exposure to it. That was my first like, whoa, hey, darn, wow, what is that? And because it was in that sort of magazine, yes, it made the association connection to being a sexual thing, whatever that thing may be, whether it's sexual arousal, sexual turn-on, sexual questioning, so many things, so many things. But my point is, way back then, even the adult film industry realized that because being transgender or a trans woman or transsexual or transvestite or whatever it is was not mainstream, wasn't well known, the information wasn't there, it became a 
hot item. It became an unknown item. Whoa, what is that? Let me look more into that. So even if this, you know, this ad that I saw, people were calling saying, hey, tell me more about you. You know, tell me more about your process. I mean, I mean, I don't suspect that, but I'm sure somebody did that at some point, trying to find answers. And then when the internet came around and you did the same search for information, those are the things that came up. Those are the things that come up because the the adult industry realized that because it was so unknown, because it wasn't what was normally there, you know, I mean, what was normally there, you got your straight sex, your gay sex, your lesbian sex, and then your, you know, BDSM world arena stuff that's out there. Because there's a lot of lot under that gambit as well, where you've got the, you know, the heavy bondage and, and, and you know, and pain implement. And then you've got the more softer side of it where it's just slightly restrained and blindfold. I mean, the, the, there's a whole slew of world out there in the BDSM world as well. So, so that's the only information that was available for so long. Because when the internet first started, all you could find was the adult sites. There was no personal blogs. There were no personal websites that said, hey, I'm trans and I'm talking about my life. I mean, the few that I found in the early to mid-90s were mostly female to male. Was able to easily find lots of information about female to male, not so much information about male to female. I mean, it was, it was really scattered, really scattered in the, well, as I mentioned earlier, into the fetishy world of the, you know, straight or gay a uh, crossdresser who enjoys crossdressing because it is a sexual stimulant or whatever it may be. You know, those sorts of people were out there, but then their goal was to dress as they chose to dress and attract whoever they were trying to attract. There weren't it wasn't necessarily a day-to-day -day lifestyle or day-to-day -day gender identity, gender expression. It was something that they used and and really truly associated with being physically intimate with someone or physically intimate with themselves so again because it is so sexual in its base in its roots it can't help but be sexual it just can't i mean only when i first started trying to figure myself out in the last you know 10 years so 2006, 2007, only in that time did I really start to notice the personal private blogs and stories. And even then there weren't that many. When I really noticed a ton of them starting to happen was probably right before I came out in 2013. So 2012, 2013, maybe even 2011. That's when more and more trans people said, I'm going to be open about my trans status and I'm going to share my story. And that's when the information really started flooding, well, the internet and other sources. And more and more, the base information, the, the true structured information, aside from any sexual sites or sexual things, it was information. And, and I get it, because back then, way back then, before all the, 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 the open trans people telling their stories happened, the goal was to be stealth. To not be open, to not say I'm trans, which I, again, also think is a wonderful thing to have happen in only about four or five years, that more and more people are openly saying, no, no, I am trans. I am trans. And again, because it is changing your gender, 
you can't help but be sexual. And and let's face it, the the, the task, the journey, the, the transition of changing one's gender is not a usual thing. Not yet, anyway. I mean, it's becoming that way. In fact, I wouldn't, I'd say in the next five years, it's going to be more normal than it was five years ago. But it's still, you know, an unknown thing. Not many people have the opportunity to talk to a trans person and say, so what's your process? What did you go through before you finally came out? Because that's where the meat and potatoes are trying to figure this damn thing out is. And because it is still unknown to the masses, we secretly kind of want to know what happens below the belt. I mean, luckily the internet's there and can answer that question within a matter of seconds once you type it into Google. I mean, I know there are videos out there showing both F to M and M to F uh, gender reassignment surgeries out there. Uh, Some sites you may have to pay for. Some sites it's free. Some sites are very graphic. Some sites are not. Some sites have videos. Some sites just have text. I mean, the information is there now. And that's that's an awesome thing. Because had that information been as easily available 20 years ago, I would have made steps 20 years ago. But because it is still so unknown, and because it deals with sex, sex as in gender sex, not sex as in copulation, people are curious. People are inquisitive about it. They don't know about it. Whether they find it, you know sexually arousing or not because it is sexual in nature and it is you know in some people's minds i'm sure it falls into the realm of being kinky because someone is changing their gender i'm not saying that it is but i'm sure in some small-minded people's minds it can be in fact there is a whole kink out there about doing that i mentioned it earlier the uh the straight cross-dresser or the gay cross-dresser cross-dressing because it's a sexual you know stimulant or what have you then you've got the then you add in the BDSM realm and you've got the dominant women and the submissive male who are going through transition at that time. You know, but whether it's you know, I mean they may say, you know, the the the, the mistress, the the dame is, you know, forcing the man to become feminine or whatever. Bottom line, that man has to agree to 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 do this it's not like it's you know truly forced it's not forced the individual is giving up that power to the other individual and therefore it comes across or is is okay in their mind because the dominant person is forcing quote-unquote or controlling or encouraging or what have you to the submissive person again that's more in the realm of of sexual uh, you know, sex and sexuality. It's not necessarily gender expression, gender identification. It is to a degree because that, you know, that man is now changing to a woman. So therefore they got to go through the whole process as well. Come out to friends, come out to family, come out to work, come out to whoever, you know, go to doctors and the same process that we, you know, all other trans people go through. The only difference is they've had a conversation with their person in their life who they have claimed to be their dominant, who have agreed to be their dominant person or master or mistress or whatever title they want to throw onto it. And they're doing this journey together. Also, I believe since it's still so unknown to the masses is where we get a lot of the violence from the violence and attacks against trans people, because it's unknown. 
you know, the, the people that are doing the attacking are not educated in the topic. They're not made aware of what it is. So they fear what they don't know. And some assholes attack that fear and, you know, beat that fear up. I mean, think of it, think of it like 20, 30, 40 years ago when the big, uh, well, was, you know, 30 years ago was about the AIDS crisis, the AIDS epidemic in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. But even at that time, there were still so many people, and even through to the early 90s, so many people stepping up and saying, I am gay, I am lesbian, I am proud to be gay, lesbian, what have you. And a lot of people didn't understand that. And so because they didn't understand what being gay meant or lesbian meant, I mean, they understood it in the raw sense of the term, but they didn't understand why somebody would want to be that way or choose to be that way is, you know, this is their thinking. Well, now we know that, you know, somebody doesn't necessarily choose to be that way. They are that way from birth. And yes, there is the argument out there that some people have chosen to become homosexual because of, you know, things that happened in their life. Uh, I have heard a few friends of friends share the story that, you know, their, you know, their girlfriend, not necessarily girlfriend in the sense of boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, girlfriend, girlfriend, significant other girlfriend, just their friend that happens to be female had, you know, a bad relationship with a male and therefore, because that relationship was so horrible, and I mean horrible, you know, physically violent and degrading and all those things, that that individual female has selected to only be with female people because it, they're comfortable around them. They're not scared of them because of what some fucknut did to them. You know, some fucknut fucked with their head, so now they're choosing to be only around women. And... Because they're only choosing to be around women and they're not socializing with men, there's a good chance that they're going to cross a path with somebody that they happen to connect to, that they happen to be friends with, that because the circumstances are correct, they, you know, all right, well, I know that I'm not comfortable being, you know, intimate with a male, but wow, you make me, being around you makes me feel so happy and so content and so fulfilled and this, that, and the other thing. And so... You know, one evening afternoon, they're hanging out and somebody kisses somebody and one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden, this person who never thought they would be in a lesbian relationship, ta-da, is in a lesbian relationship. But that's, again, dependent upon the individuals involved. Chances are, if, the, if those two individuals went their own separate ways, the other person may not choose to be a lesbian. Or both of them may not choose to be a lesbian. They may just be together because of the circumstances at hand. Those stories are out there. I get that. I totally understand that. But that's not the case across the board. More often than not, any gay or lesbian person that I've, uh, you know, happened to talk to or read about or whatever, they've known since they knew. <laughs> they knew since they were a kid that they had always been attracted to, you know, whatever gender it may be. If you're a guy, a guy, a girl, a girl. Well, people didn't understand that you know, 30, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So because they didn't understand it, and chances are that they probably had a little something on the inside of them that made them attracted to the same gender, they feared it. And again, that fear stems anger, and because they don't understand it, they take it out on the innocent, you know, gay person happened to walk down the street with their boyfriend. 
And so we had all that gay bashing that went on in the 80s and 90s, and thank God that's changed. Well, we'll get there as trans people. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a little bit. But we'll get there. We will. And, again, I think that bashing is because it's something within the individual that's doing the beating that doesn't understand. And chances are, deep down inside, they may have their own difficulties with coming to their own sexual orientation or their own gender identity. Chances are the guys that go and beat up trans women probably like the cross-dress at home behind closed doors. And because they're ashamed of it themselves, they got to take it out on somebody that they don't need to take it out on and shouldn't take it out on. Now, back to the adult film industry. It's there, the, that realm of adult film entertainment, you know, the, the transgender f- film arena. And yes, there are other terms for it. But we don't need to get into that. You already know them. If not, you can easily find it. That's there because of the unknown as well. It's different. You know, growing up, guys see, see guys at the locker room. They've got family. They, you know, they, they see sports figures. They see themselves. So, you know, guy's a guy. If they happen to be straight... They see women eventually, you know, as they start to grow up and, and, you know, date and be physical and things. So seeing the physical female body, it's not, you know, they, they, shit, pick up, pick up almost any adult magazine or, you know, almost any magazine. And you're going to see the female form because sex sells, which leads me to this because specifically trans women is a blend of the male and the female. And I, when, I, when I say trans women, I mean the non-operative or the pre-operative trans woman. And for those that don't know what I mean by that is they have not had gender reassignment surgery yet or are choosing not to have gender reassignment surgery. Well, because that right there is a combination of both genders, that's not normal. That's unique. That's different. So the natural human inquiry wants to find out more about it. And again, because the topic happens to be sexual just by its very nature, it's a sexual topic. And that's why, in my opinion, why all the adult sites out there that promote and push the trans woman adult films do so. Because they realize that because it's unknown, people are going to buy into it. Even if somebody is not attracted to a, you know, trans woman in porn they may look at it because it is so unique it is so different and the same is true for trans men also to the young impressionable mind you know that teenager that's 13 you know 12 13 14 15 years old that is just starting to figure out their own sexual identity they stay up late at night and they start searching the internet for answers and they come across these adult sites and if that's the only information they find well, you got a few things happening there. You got a prepubescent, you know, male who's going through secondary, you know, sexual characteristics of puberty, secondary puberty. So their hormones are raging. So here you see a person who is blending the genders and you're questioning your own gender. You finally find somebody that you might connect with, whatever it may be, whoever it may be. And so therefore you think maybe that's what you have to do. So because the initial exposure is usually adult films and sites and things like that, because it has to deal with changing a gender or changing your sex, 
because it is not so common yet, that's why it's so sexual, in my opinion. I mean, just the basic nature of the topic, the newness of the topic in pop culture. I mean, yes, it's been around for forever. We all know that, but it's still very new in pop culture. I mean, like I said, it was the early to mid-90s when I first saw an advertisement in a, a magazine. And that was just for, you know, a phone sex line. And that's just 20 years ago, roughly. Roughly. So we've come a long way in 20 years, you know, now that we have a huge open transgender population. So many trans people are being open about their trans status. They're not seeking stealth. They're open about it. They're sharing their story. They're writing their blogs. They're doing their videos. They're recording their podcasts. Ta-da! That's me. Also, it's sexual in nature because, sadly, right now, at least in uh, you know early 2016, it is still very difficult for trans people to find substantial work, work that will be able to afford them a livable lifestyle. And trans people have, you know, I mean, yeah, you could, you could talk to the person that's going to work two part-time jobs, two minimum wage jobs. Okay, that's great. They're going to work, you know, 40 to 80-something hours a week at two different jobs, make ends meet, fair enough. And they're still struggling. Well, the trans person is struggling even more because that trans person needs hormones. That trans person needs to save up for any sort of surgeries that are not covered by any of uh, medical coverage. A trans person has to, you know, change all of their clothing. Well, we'll say 80% of their clothing, because let's face it, t-shirts and some jeans and other things like that can be worn by either gender. So for, you know, the first few years of transition, you can hang on to some t-shirts, hang on to some pants and shirts and shorts and things like that. But dresses... And I'm speaking from a trans woman's perspective, but dresses, you know, most men don't have dresses, so they got to go buy them. Bras, changing underwear out from, you know, basically boys' underwear to girls' underwear. I mean, these are, these are costs and expenses that the average person doesn't have, but the transgender person does. Trans woman now has to, you know, budget in hair products, makeup products, skin products, because that's part of the process. So, unfortunately... You know, the, the, the average, you know, minimum wage job out there, even if somebody chose to work two minimum wage jobs, is not enough to cover the expenses of being trans. I mean, thankfully, certain medical coverages and other things are, are making it a lot easier, but we still got a long way to go. So, because of that, and because of the ease of the internet, a lot of these trans people, both trans men and trans women, are starting to become... Independent sex workers, as they're called, you know, they, they sell their photos, they sell their videos. They're not necessarily with other people. They're not engaging in any sort of sexual encounters. It's that individual doing things to and for themselves and taking pictures and video and selling the pictures and video so they can pay their bills and get their hormones and save up for surgeries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that right there still perpetuates the the basic sense of this whole thing of being transgender is sexual. 
Because when somebody starts to search information for transgender, these independent sex workers start coming up with their own websites because anybody can start a website, anybody can take photos, anybody can put video together and sell it on the internet. Also, the general mainstream information isn't there yet. It's growing. You know, podcasts like mine and video blogs that are out there and other, you know, websites and, and, and Facebook pages and all of that is making more awareness. But as I said, we still have a long way to go. Plus, it's an outward change. If someone comes out as gay, they're gay. You know, it just means that, oh, you're now going to be with someone of the same gender as yourself. Okay, you're still calling them the same name. You're still calling them the same pronoun. In fact, if that person doesn't come around with their significant other, you'd never know they're gay. And also, most people have an easy time wrapping their head around it. Because it's like, okay, so you like somebody that's your same gender. Okay, fine. Whether they agree with it or not, people have grown enough to realize, okay, you're going to do your own thing. Fine. And it's not like you're going to see these people, you know, being intimate right in front of you. I mean, there's a chance if you happen to be over at their home. But, you know, most of the time, most of the time, everybody, whether you're gay or straight, you, you, you're, you're, you're physically intimate behind closed doors. So not many people get to see it. <laughs> So there you go. In a nutshell, that's why I feel it's so sexual because of its very root nature. It deals with changing your sex. So therefore it's sexual. It's so new that people are having a hard time wrapping their head around it because it does deal with your sexual identity, your gender identity and gender expression. A lot of people have a hard time because it's, you know, changing names and pronouns and the fact that most of the search results that you get happen to be in adult nature. So that's what we need to change. We need to make it so people can afford what they need to afford by having the basic jobs that they have, and they don't have to result into selling themselves. They can sell themselves you know, photos and videos of themselves on the Internet only if they choose to because they get a kick out of it, not because they need it to make rent. Lack of information out there, which is growing, but we still got a ways to go. And the fact that it is not the same as being gay, lesbian, or even bisexual. Because, again, we've come that far in times. So I think in the next 10, 20 years, we'll, we'll have gone, we'll, we'll have reached that point of, of normalcy where it's not going to be so sexually driven. At least I hope so. At least I hope so. And one last thing before I get off of this topic. When I did first see that ad in the magazine, because I was, you know, in my mid... Because I was in my early to mid-20s, still trying to figure myself out. I mean, it took me another 20 years to figure myself out, and I'm still trying to figure myself out. But at that moment in time, for, I don't know, probably a handful of years... I couldn't figure out, was I just attracted to trans women or did I want to be a trans woman, you know, or was I a trans woman? I, I, that was the debate in my mind. And to be honest, I think, I, I think both are correct. I, 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 I honestly do because in accepting it of myself, I I've come to obviously be more accepting of others, of course, because, you know, once you accept this big thing about yourself you're you're opening your floodgates to the world 
And so you become almost instantaneously more accepting, which leads me to another topic, which I don't even want to get into, but I'm going to have to talk about it now since I brought it up, is, and I think I've talked about this briefly in the past, how there is so much, so much hate within the trans community itself. I don't, I, I don't understand that. If, if, you're, if you're going to open up and embrace your own self in that you are, you know, part of that small population that is transgender, and you're looking for your own sense of equality, why deny someone else, whoever that someone else is, whatever their story is? So, so that's, that's, that's me. You know, in, in my own coming out, I, I have realized that, yes, I, too, am attracted to, well, women, of course, because I'm married, <laughs> but I'm also attracted to trans women. And it could be just because it's common ground. You know, it's, it's similarities. It's, it's points that I have hidden from, run from, questioned that are in common with another person, another individual, where I can say to them, hey, did you ever feel blah, blah, blah? Did you ever think of such and such? Did you ever see this? Did you ever think that? Did you ever do this? And they can come around and say, yeah, I did think about, I did do, I thought about, I knew someone that did, I blah, whatever. There's commonality, there's common ground. And so that acceptance is there. So anyway, enough of this. Let's have a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com. Folks, I've said it before. I'm going to say it many times again. Check it out. It's a great rest stop on the Internet to just kind of clear your mind or pause on whatever you're dealing with at that moment. Find something out. Stare at a picture. Go away into that picture for a few moments and then come back to your world and continue on with your daily life, whatever it may be. This week, I'm looking at TomSlayton.com forward slash when is it time to let go. This is one of those blog essay entries that he sometimes does. And it starts off with, when I was young, I was certain that I was in love. It felt like love. And it is often the tender beginnings of what we assume will lead to a lifelong love and the feelings of which we wish would last forever. Those feelings of elation and hope and promise which one seeks to capture and hold in hopes that things will never change. I would have wrapped up those days of my youth in plastic if only to preserve the snapshots and memories in my mind. And perhaps to gaze upon that particular time whenever a certain unidentifiable smell brought me back to those memories. What did I know? I thought that I'd met the love of my life during the summer of 1996. I was 16. I still remember laying in the grass, staring up at a picture-perfect deep blue sky next to the girl I thought for sure I would one day marry, completely unaware, or in total denial, of the reality that plans made during one's childhood rarely come to pass, especially those of romantic relationships. We parted and went on our separate ways for a while. 
I didn't see her again until I graduated high school. Though throughout our almost two-year separation, we had exchanged many letters and phone calls. When we were finally reunited, we had both changed drastically. Our life plans had come full circle, focused and crystal clear. And it was obvious that we wished to pursue completely different paths in life. When is it time to let go? It has been decades since we said goodbye and parted ways forever. We have since become casual friends on Facebook, though it has been years since we talked to one another. Throughout my life, I've always taken notes about the things I found to be most important, and as such, became the historian by default of those closest to me. I seem to remember things others often forget, filling in the forgotten details and subsequent facets of communication as if we were narrating a movie in which I were cast as the main character. When my father passed away, he took with him all the memories of his life. He had become so caught up with his daily life, his work, and his documented scientific accomplishments that he had neglected to document the details which were most important, his life and the human experience, the memories and measurable milestones of my childhood, details he neglected to write down. Although my father mastered documentation, all that remains are thousands of photographs taken over the years. Many were taken of me. Some were taken with my mother in the same frame. Very few featured my father. Hundreds were taken of people my father once knew years ago. Hundreds of faces without names. Precious and irreplaceable memories now lost forever with nobody around to put faces to names despite almost incessantly pleading my father to do so during the last years of his life. When is it time to let go? When is it time to let go of the past, the memories, the emotions, and the stories? He included a quote within this essay. Men marry women hoping that they won't change. Women marry men hoping they will. Credit unknown. When I first read that, it really struck a chord with me because it shows the differences between technology and generations. Right now, technology brings everybody in the world closer. I mean, you're listening to the podcast. I mean, I know I've got listeners all over the world. United States, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom. Some are in Japan. I think I've got a couple downloads here and there from Turkey. I think I've got a few from Israel. I mean, it's all over the place. It, it, it amazes me, to be quite honest. But in the sense of Tom's father... Because Tom's, you know, a few years younger than I am, probably about within the within a decade younger than I am. So his father, you know, is probably really, really close to my father's age or maybe a little younger, what have you. But there was no Internet. There was no easy way to capture and hold on to information, whatever that information may be, whether it's, you know, an essay or a simple jotting down of who's in a picture or whatever. I mean, nowadays you take a picture, you throw it up on Facebook, you tag the, tag the person who's in it. Ta-da! We know everything about the photo. Oh, and tag the location. So you know who's in it, you know when it was taken, you know where it was taken. Well, maybe not when, because, you know, some people post stuff you know, weeks, days later, but if you follow me. Back in, in Tom's father's time or my father's time, you took a bunch of photos, but unless you took the time to write down 
who was in the photo and where it was taken and what was happening and what the year was, you may never know. In fact, I got something very similar with Tom. My father took a ton of pictures of me growing up, a ton of pictures of me growing up. But he never, you know, really wrote down what the circumstances were, what weekend it was, when it was. So now, when I look back on the very few pictures that I have, I have to guess. When was this taken? I look about, you know, whatever age I look about. So, okay, well, we know it's between this year and that year. And where was it taken? Well, that kind of looks like that campground, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that looks like the beach. When did we go to the beach? Oh, we went to the beach and blah, blah, blah. So, so much more trouble and, and, well, I shouldn't say trouble, but so much more work involved in, you know, documenting this photo, whatever that photo may be. So, Tom... And if you're listening to this episode, which I know you usually do, I feel your pain. At least you have those photos because through the course of my father's life, uh, I lost a great deal of the photos he had taken. So there's a sad moment for me. Folks, as I said, check out TomSlayton.com, the perfect rest stop on the Internet. jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. This is from Tickle.com, published in June of 2015. Number two. A jumper cable walks into a bar. The bartender says, I'll serve you, but don't you start anything. Yes, jokes so terrible, they're actually funny. Secondary topic, here we go. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, and I'm going to mention again through the end of this month, send me your segment title suggestions by May 31st, 2016. I'm looking for something else to call this section of the show. I don't want to keep calling it secondary topic. We've been doing that for 80, well, now 86 episodes. Well, at least the episodes that contained a secondary topic. But if you got with me, you follow me, all right? All right, okay. So if you got an idea for some title for this particular segment, this section, the secondary topic. If you're a long-time listener, you know how the secondary topic can be a huge gambit of choices for the secondary topic. Some serious, some funny, some nostalgic, some poignant, some observational, some personal recollection of my own life. It, it runs the gambit. So if you've got an idea, send it my way. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Send it to me by the end of the month, May 31st, 2016, and I will be choosing a name 
sometime in June. If there's enough names collected, I'm going to send it out on Facebook and let you decide. All right, moving into the actual secondary topic. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Yeah, if all goes according to plan, this episode is going to be released on Friday the 13th. Not because it's, you know, the movie's fun and I like the movie, just because I release my episodes on Fridays and today happens to be the 13th. Now, I said, you know, why is the Friday the 13th so feared? Why is it something that people are so, you know, cautious about or worried about or you know, whatever? And yeah, okay, the movies, fine. But the movies were named that because of the folklore that came before it. So I did a quick little search and didn't find much. But this is what I found. The fear of the number 13 has been given a scientific name. Something that I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to try. Trisk Aidcophobia. And I'm sure I butchered that. And this article continues. And on the analogy to this fear of Friday the 13th is called some other name that I'm not even going to try because it's a Greek word. <laughs> meaning Friday. And some other Greek word meaning 13. Uh, my, my Greek is very foreign, and I don't even want to try to pronounce Greek. Now, the superstitions surrounding this day may have arisen in the Middle Ages, originating from the story of Jesus' Last Supper and crucifixion, in which there were three individuals present in the upper room on the 13th of, of Nisan Monday Thursday. Again, apologies if I butcher things. The night before his death on Good Friday. Now, while there is evidence that both Friday and the number 13 being considered unlucky, there is no record of the two items being referred to as especially unlucky in conjunction before the 19th century. An early documented reference in English occurs in Henry Sutherland Edwards' 1869 biography of Gioacchino Rossini, who died on Friday the 13th. He, Rossini, was surrounded to the last by admiring friends and if it be true that, like so many Italians, he regarded Fridays as an unlucky day and 13 as an unlucky number, it is remarkable that on Friday the 13th of November he passed away. It is possible that the publication in 1907 of Thomas W. Lawson's popular novel, Friday the 13th, contributed to disseminating the superstition. In the novel, an unscrupulous broker takes advantage of the superstition to create a Wall Street panic on Friday the 13th. A suggested origin of the superstition, Friday 13th, October 1307, the date Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of the Knights Templar, may not have been put together until the 20th century. It is mentioned in the 1955 Maurice Durand historical novel, The Iron King, John J. Robinson's 1989 work, Born in Blood, The Lost Secrets of Freemasonry, Dan Brown's 2003 novel, The Da Vinci Code, and Steve Barry's The Templar Legacy, 2006. So there's a little brief, 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 very brief <laughs> history information about Friday the 13th that I found on the Internet, and I found it on, yes, of course, Wikipedia, which, okay... Some people argue Wikipedia is not a great source because it's open source and freaking people can change it and blah, 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 blah. Yes, I understand that. However, I've noticed that in the recent past, probably in the last, I don't know, year, 18 months maybe, Wikipedia is getting pretty reliable as far as being pretty darn accurate. Besides, it's just Friday the 13th. 
I'm sure there are so many superstitious stories out there that you have heard other things. And in fact, if you had, send me an email and let me know. All right, second part of the secondary topic. We are in the middle of May, which means June is just around the corner, which means summer is just around the corner. So let's briefly talk about swimwear. Yeah, the dreaded thing to most trans people. If you're a trans man, you got to worry, you know, you got to be, if you're a trans man and you've not had top surgery, you got to worry about that. There's a concern for you, you know. Not being able to go shirtless, that's a concern. So you got to figure out some top. Uh, you're not necessarily supposed to swim or get wet inside a binder due to breathing restrictions. I mean, lots of different things like that. But there's, there's that issue there for trans men. For trans women, well, if your body hasn't changed enough because of hormones, you may not have uh, you know, enough to feel confident or comfortable in the chest department, and let's face it, uh, falsies or lifts or forms or whatever you choose to use or call them may not look right or fit right with some swimwear. Also, if you've done any searching to purchase breast forms, waterproof or ones that are water-resistant or meant to be worn with swimsuits either are very, 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 very expensive or don't really have the weight that makes them look as realistic as we would like. So there's one issue for trans women. Another issue for trans women is if you've not had any sort of bottom surgery or SRS, gender confirmation surgery, or reassignment surgery, or whatever label you choose to call it, there's also that concern. You know, will that be an issue? So you've got to be very careful in choosing which swimwear you're going to wear whether it's going to have a lot of coverage, you know, so you don't have to worry about breast forms or anything like that. You don't have to worry about anything showing downstairs that you don't necessarily want to show. You know, you've got to be very selective in your swimwear. Then you've got to hope that it fits right. Because let's face it, not all body types are the same, and certain swimwear is not going to fit the same body the same way. So there's a lot of issues right there. However... There are so many ways around those things. The first, get over it, is an easy thing to say. If you're not able to wear breast forms or or anything like that, well, then maybe you don't look so busty at the beach or the pool or whatever. If you have to have some sort of, you know, wrap or skirt around the bottom portion just to make sure that things don't show that you don't want to show, so be it. So those are the, you know, off-the-top issues, concerns that trans people have with swimwear. I get it. Totally get it. Oh, back to, uh, to trans men. There are some trans men that, just like trans women, they, go, they never leave home without breast forms. Some trans men never leave home without packers. And for the, the lay people out there that don't know what a packer is, it is a personal appendage that a trans man puts into his underwear to feel better about his body. Same thing as breast forms for a trans woman, only below the belt versus above the belt. So these are all things that people got to worry about. You know, trans people got to worry about. 
Then there is the concern about, and this is kind of going away, but it's still there, sadly, the bikini body. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Everybody has a bikini body. You go out, you buy a bikini, you put it on, bam, you have a bikini body. Ta-da! You're done. Easy peasy, you're done. No worries at all. But again, you fall back into, does it fit right? Does it look right? Etc. You know, it's tough, and I've been in your shoes. I mean, I haven't really gone out in swimwear, but I've, I've, I've had some, and I've worn it around home because I'm just not a, I'm not much of a of a beach person or you know a pool party person or anything like that. So I don't really. Let me put it to you this way: before coming out, I think I owned one pair of swim trunks. You know, in guy mode, one pair of swim trunks. And that's just because I happened to have them. I, I think I bought them because somebody was having a pool party and, you know, they were on sale for, tw- you know, whatever they were. I, I picked them up because, you know, they said, please bring swimwear, not cut off shorts or anything like that. And, All right, fine, whatever. But bottom line, you want to wear a bikini? Put on a bikini. You, you, you wear whatever you want to wear. I understand all the other dilemmas there, you know, is it gonna is it gonna hold me in? Speaking for below the belt, am I gonna look, you know, girly enough, I'll say, in the, you know, upstairs part department. I get that. Those are my worries. Those are my worries. Am I worried about things staying together down below the belt? Am I worried that I'm gonna look feminine enough above the belt? Those are the two big things for me. Well, Again, like I said, I don't really go out swimwear, so I've never really had to cross that path. Around the home here, you know, behind closed doors, was I content? Not 100%, but I, 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 I dealt with it. I dealt with it enough. I don't know if I would ever be, you know, uh, open enough to go to a pool party in a bikini or in some sort of, you know, traditional-looking swimwear i would probably look for something that's more one piece or probably has a little skirt or you know some sort of full coverage of the upper portion of my body but like i said i haven't had to cross that path yet so i'm not there yet but i want to let you know that it's a confidence thing everybody's body type is different i've said this before go out there and start looking at people you will see how many different body types and shapes there are out there. So it really doesn't matter. It really does not matter. And again, I have to preface that, you know, maybe you're in a location where stealth is your goal because of your location, and I get that. So you got to be a little more selective, like I first explained. But I'll tell you, when I... Because it was on sale after the summer, so I bought it. It was, I think I... It was a pick and choose bottoms and tops. And I think I spent, I think it was like $5 for the top and $5 for the bottom. And I got them for like $1.50 each because they're on sale at the end of the summer, you know, sort of deal, trying to get them out of the store. And I'll tell you, even though it was just at home, even it was just for me, putting it on was an amazing confidence booster. It felt so awesome. It really did. Again, would I go out? Would I go to somebody's pool party or something like that? Well, sitting here right now, maybe. 
maybe back then, which was a year in well, I almost, almost two years ago now. Uh, no, probably not. Probably not. But again, like I said, I'm not a big pool person. <laughs> I never really have been. I was when I was a kid, but I haven't been right now. And as I surmise this up, <laughs> the only la- the last thing I want to say about swimwear is, if you want to wear it, by all means, go out and wear it. Just keep in mind that certain things, this goes for a lot of certain things, should not be exposed in public, in public. So do what you need to do to make sure that those things are not exposed in public. Reason being is not the ridicule, not the humiliation, not the embarrassment, not not the fact that you could be, you know, attacked or anything like that. Those are all obvious things. No, my thing is, no matter who you are or what gender you are, if you expose yourself in public, you could be arrested. And nobody wants to ruin their summer by being arrested, especially for something that's so easily avoidable. So do what you need to do to be confident about yourself, but do it. Just go out and do it. And the last thing here in the secondary topic is about the Facebook fan page. I haven't really talked about it recently. I mean, it's been a long time since I did talk about it. And what I want to specifically talk about is the amount of likes. As of this recording, which is at the end of April... At the end of April, we have a whopping 242 likes on the Facebook page. Yeah, that's exciting. Very exciting. We are eight away from 250. I hope by the end of this year, 2016, so that's seven months away, I'm hoping that by the end of 2016, December 2016, that we can be up to 300 at least 300 likes on the Facebook page. So what does that mean to you? Make sure you like the Facebook page. If you're on Facebook, cruise on over, hit the like button. If you don't want the updates, don't get the updates. You don't want to follow, don't follow. That's fine. Just click that like button. That's all I can ask at the bare minimum. What I'd really like to ask you is, hey, take a moment and share the page. I I know there's a lot of folks out there that listen to the show that share individual postings I share. But if you could share the page itself, somewhere in the upper header, you know, right around the like, unlike button, somewhere in there, you'll see something that says, you know, share this page or whatever. If you can't find it, go to the address bar in your browser, highlight the URL, copy, and then paste it. Send it out that way. Share the page. Let others know we're here. All right, listener feedback. This first listener feedback goes out to a first-time writer. I, I'm, I'm guessing they've listened for a while just by the nature of their email, but a first-time writer into the show, Lee H. This individual wrote me and complimented the show and enjoyed the show. I'm not going to read their email because they uh, didn't say whether I should or should not, so I'm defaulting and saying I'm not. But they did express how much gratitude they like for this show. So, Lee, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. I am overwhelmed and blessed at your writing to me. 
I did write you back, and I hope you get back to me. You, in fact, by the time this drops, you may have already gotten back with me. But So bottom line, thank you so, so very much for listening and writing. Now this next listener feedback goes into someone who wrote the show way back in February. Simone B. Simone, thank you again so, so very much for listening and writing to the show. I, I, I loved our email interaction way back in February, and to see your, your email that you sent to me in April was wonderful. I hope you've received my response, and I hope the information I was able to provide is what you were looking for. I really, really, really do. It's, it was so... I, I got so excited when I saw your email in my inbox, and I want you to know that. So thank you so very much for listening and writing and just being there. Thank you. Holy cow, is that the... Yes, it is the closing show music. Wow, we finally made it. This one seems like a long one. I, I rambled and rambled and rambled and tangent and tangent. I kept going. Somebody should have shut me up. I guess that's going to wrap it up for episode 86. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. I do appreciate it. If you haven't listened all the way through to the end of an episode in a while, because, yes, the disclaimer is basically the same... Go ahead and listen through to the end. Just refresh yourself on the disclaimer. Just just go ahead. It's probably a good idea. Refresh yourself on it. So be sure to listen for the next few more minutes till the show closes out. Next episode, number 87, I'm going to title Conversations with FFOP Radio. That stands for Fistful of Podcasts Radio. Now, it's not terrestrial radio. It's a podcast. But uh, I, I was a guest on their show and we go, we go back years. I've had a relationship with these guests for years now. So if you want to get an idea of their show and their format and style and personalities, go to fistfulofpodcasts.com and check out their past episodes. They can also be found on Stitcher and iTunes, of course. Just search out FFOP Radio. If you want to hear me on their program, you have three options to select from. Their episode 169, their episode 189, and their episode 306. Now, in 169 and 189, that's back when I was doing my old show, the Random Variety Podcast, or the RVSP. So there's some information from long ago. Episode 306 was just released April 16th, 2016, and that was talking about this show. In fact, I'm going to be re I'm going to be re-releasing their episode 306 as a bonus episode right after next week. You'll be able to hear it just listening to this show. So check their show out if you haven't had it heard it yet. I've kind of mentioned them in the past episodes, not it's been a while, but I have for those longtime binge listeners. They may ring a bell. But nonetheless, that's what's coming up next episode. I am always looking for guests. I'm always looking for topics. Send them my way. Changes in Latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Check out the Facebook page. Visit our Patreon page. Check out the Blogspot page. Tweet at us on Twitter. Just go and get in touch with us. Now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. 
Stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else. And I'll see you next week. listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you, so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Here's the close of the show, and remember...